You know what they say, you know, live like nobody else so that eventually you can live like nobody else. the Michigan Real Estate Investor Network podcast, hashtag the network. We're coming to you today from the network studios inside Michigan Investment Title. Today's episode is 17 and it's brought to you by Precision Cut Tile and Marble. Hey everybody, how you doing today? Jeff Ship here. We're here with Michigan Real Estate Investor Network, hashtag the network. Hey, today we've got a great podcast coming at you. It looks like we're going to learn a lot of stuff, have a lot of fun. Got four guys on here that are going to tell you about some of their mistakes in life. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of them in this room, but we're going to figure it all out. And we're going to have a great time today. And we're going to try to helpfully hope you along, help you along the way and, and get this all going. So why don't we start this off today introducing everybody. Introduce yourself, if you would, please. Um, Paul Jones. What do you do, Paul? Tell us a little uh, about what you're doing in business right now. Okay, let me tell you a bit. Um, so <laughs> right now I'm wholesaling. Also, I, I'm i a hard money lender. Also, um, I bring in investors. I get them return on deals, working on that a lot with um, trying to get more duplexes, triplexes, quads in. So that's just pretty much what I do. All right, beautiful. All right, great. Dylan, how about you? All right, so my name is Dylan Tanaka, also known as uh, Metro Detroit's favorite real estate investor. And I've been investing since 2003. I've done everything from wholesales to new construction, multi-units. Uh, currently, I'm focusing a lot on wholesaling. Um, but one of my favorite things to do, of course, is to network with other like-minded Michigan real estate investors. Paul, Hi, my name is Paul Beats, Beats. and uh, I uh, invest in real estate. And what kind of investing do you do in real buying estate? Buying hold. <laughs> buying hold. I'm buying hold. All right. No flips. No flips. No wholesaling. Just buying hold. Okay. Okay. He's one. He's he's found his niche and he's staying in his niche. Yep. I get that. I get that. Well, you know what? Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about it. We've got um, some old guys that's been here for a long time, real old guys, and we got some young kids. Uh, you know, Paul Jones. He's a young guy. Just started. Paul Beach hasn't been in it too long, and uh, we got Dylan over there that's been in it since time of start, and uh, we're going to find out about what they did and uh, what's went right and what's went wrong, so let's get it going. Who are we going to start out with? Uh, let's go with Dylan and find out what has went right and wrong. All right, so I thought uh, we're lucky enough to have Paul Jones on here with us. You know, he's a, he's a newer real estate investor, just graduated high school, which is super duper impressive that he's already in the business with us. So we thought, what a what a better um, subject to have than to talk about some of the problems that we've all had and some yeah. of the challenges we've had. Because you you know you can learn from other people. I always talk about avoiding landmines. I want to learn from when other people blow their legs off. I don't want to learn from me blowing my legs off. So Paul's going to get some awesome education today, and you guys should have uh, you know have some fun watching this because this is a roundtable podcast. So we're here to have fun. We're here to you know be a little bit more entertaining than just all facts <laughs> and uh, kind of let our hair down a little bit and, and tell you a little bit about what's happened in our businesses. So I've, I've really had two, made two major mistakes. I talk about this a lot. So the first one that I made when I first started in real estate investing and um, was, was going to a lot of the networking events, I had a couple different partners. One of our um, 
one of our agreements, I guess, was that we wouldn't do any regular real estate. So we wouldn't list houses for people. We would never represent them as buyer's agents because it took away from our core business of buying and selling and rehabbing and building and all that stuff. So the, the mistake that I felt feel like we made to this day was a lot of those guys that I would sell houses to and girls I'd sell houses to, once they rehabbed them, they were calling somebody else to list them. Yeah. Now, half the time I helped them through the rehabs because that's just what I did. And now somebody else got all the glory and made you know a free commission listing the house for them. Yeah. And if I go back to way back in like 2006, I could have had a lot of clients built up. And by this point, I wouldn't have been doing a lot of that work, right? I could have had somebody working for me. Yeah who dealt with these people to, to list those houses. So I thought that was a, that was kind of a um, an unwise decision, but coming out as a new real estate investor, which I, I'd already been in the business about five years, but I was finally getting real traction. But instead of me going going around and, and uh, you know promising to do all this extra work, I kind of just gave it away. But it's really, really easy to list a fresh rehab, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, easy. you yeah. know, all of us are in the business. And when you see a beautiful rehabbed house that gets listed for the right price, bam, it it's sold sells, right away. Sells immediately. So I could have made free money doing that. And, and I threw a lot of that away. And then around 2010 slash 11, I went completely solo. And that's one of the things that I always offer my wholesale buyers is if they are going to buy the house for me, fix it and resell it then I'm happy to list it for them. I give them a hefty discount compared to calling some agent who's going to list it for them. And the reason I do that is now I know when their deals are going to be done and when they want more. Plus, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the more success I can help them have, the more houses they're going to buy. It's just it's just a circle, right? Yeah. Because you want them to have success so they can buy more for me and and all of you guys also. And you guys, you know, we all we all want our buyers or people we do business with to have success because it just success breeds success. Right. So I would say that's the biggest operations uh, mistake that I made for, um, you know, talking to somebody younger here or newer in the business like you, Paul. Don't be afraid to do some of that stuff and don't listen to what everybody else says. Just because you're a real estate investor only doesn't mean that you can't make a $10,000 commission doing something, not to say easy, but just a little bit different. And then probably my worst deal that I ever did. This is a fun one. So um, I had someone who I met at a, at a real estate group bring me a possible deal. And he wanted to partner on it. So when he brought it to me, the numbers, we'll just make up numbers. The The seller wanted $600,000. This was an 8,000 square foot home in uh, in Bloomfield Hills on a golf course, walkout basement, just beautiful. Oh, yeah. The great room itself was like 40 by 40. So mm -hmm. this was a top-notch property back in its day, built in the early 80s. So it needed to be brought back to its former glory. So he wanted me to come in and partner with him. And I told him, no, the only way I would do that is if we could get seller financing and we needed to buy it for cheaper. So he goes back and we went back and forth for probably six months. He kept going back to the seller who he was friends with. And they say that, you know, the harder something is to do, you want to run away from it. Right. So finally we ended up agreeing at 400,000 oh, from wow. 600, 25 or no, I'm sorry, $50,000 down. <clears throat> on a land contract for like three, four, five years. That didn't matter. And um, and and that was the deal, right? So we take control of the property. We give her 50 grand down. This was all done through title company, all done through attorneys. Everything was above board. Um, we, we go through, we do all this work. All we did was paint and carpet, bring everything up to code. It was kind of like a wholetale, but a very high-end wholetale. At that time, I was doing a lot of big remodel rehab. So I had the crew that could come in and rehab it if the buyer from us said, Hey, we want three, four, five new bathrooms. I mean, this is what we're talking about. You know, they've got a yeah, 20 by 30 kitchen. It was ridiculous. 
So we didn't want to do that rehab because I don't want to figure out what someone who's going to pay 1.2 or 1.5 for a house wants. I don't know what they're going to It's a want. whole different ballgame. Yeah. Whole different yeah. Ball I wasn't game. afraid yeah. to do it, but I just thought, how can I pick their finishes? So we threw it out there at like $750,000. So we were in for 100 on top of our purchase price, right? So we were in for basically 500, but we were only in for 100 out of pocket yeah. because she was holding 400,000. So we went through a couple different buyers. Finally, we get one locked in. He happens to be an attorney, which you should, you know, no offense attorneys, but believe yeah. me, you don't want to deal with an attorney <laughs> as a buyer. So we're about a week from closing. They were going to buy it for like 675. So again, we're sitting at 5. 675 take out 50 grand in junk even. We made a buck and a quarter on a $100,000 investment in like 3 months. It was great. So uh, a, a week or two before closing, we get all these crazy phone calls and lawsuits and this that and the other. The lady that we were buying it from hid the fact that she'd been sued for mold previously oh. in the same property. And the genius attorney that he is did a bunch of digging, 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 and he uncovered something that was buried. I don't know what it was. And my partner on the deal even got a home inspection. They found no mold. So she had lied to us on the seller disclosures. And so we, we you know, we had we basically had had a lot of recourse to go after her. So we were starting up a suit. Our attorney figured out, and we pretty much found out the lady had absolutely no money. She was in a very bad position. She had some substance abuse issues, blah, blah, blah. So um, we ended up talking to a lot of different attorneys, and the best advice that we had was deed her the property back and walk away. Because the guy who wanted to buy it was going to smoke us also because he had all this diligence involved and blah, blah, blah. So we were able to get this attorney to understand we didn't know anything about it. And that it was this lady's fault and she lied to us on seller's disclosures. He doesn't care. He's still he's still trying to sue us. Yeah. So we got him to shut his mouth. I gave him like four thousand bucks. We ended up losing a hundred on the property, deeded it back to her. It went into foreclosure. It sold for like two hundred and eighty grand or something like that. Oh, and by wow. this time the mold had grown all over the house because the lady couldn't handle anything. Oh wow. she she couldn't even ha- you know, afford to have the heat and, and air conditioning on. Yeah. So th- this mold just started growing. We never saw it. It was in one back tiny little room in this basement. Again, it was a 4,000 square foot, du- two floors. So it was hard to yeah. find everything. Little flo- little room hidden underneath the steps that you couldn't get to. You almost had to go through like a crawl space to get into it. That's where the mold was hidden. Really? And it just spread it everywhere? It just spread like wildfire. So that was a $50,000 uh, seminar I went to, which is why when a deal's too hard to do, I walk away. Yeah, that's actually when when you think about it, fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money to lose, but you could have lost a heck of a lot more sure. in the process if you would have yeah. kept on going. And that's definitely a, a good nugget to listen to, Paul. Right. Paul, listen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good nugget to listen to. Sometimes you gotta lose money to make money. Yeah. And that's what that was, because, you know, you could have really been sued. Or if you guys even took on the rehab, then did everything, then that come up later. What if we would have put been... 250 in rehab money in there, and then there's yeah. a still weird, oh, this yeah. weird yeah. mold thing. And maybe this guy knew, you know, I, some attorneys who I know now, I won't mention their names, they think that this guy may have even known about it, or somehow maybe worked at the same firm that sued her in the first place, and he thinks this guy tried to just get in the way and cause problems. Yeah, get in then, there and try to make some money. And that right, happens sometimes. Sure you don't does. know if you did or right. did, but it happens. Right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, the good thing about it, you know, think about it. If you would have went on ahead and did that and lost all that money like that, too. I mean, you know, you could be working at McDonald's right, right. now. So it kind of worked out good. You backed out <laughs> I'm lost loving a little it. money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's definitely good. 
What do you think you would have did, Paul? Honestly, don't know. I'm wondering how <laughs> through the inspection. How didn't they catch it during the, the inspection? Nothing. Nothing against home inspectors, but I've bought and sold hundreds of properties, and I've had one home inspection ever. Other than that one, that was the first house that I ever bought. Yeah. So they're not liable for anything but the fee that that they charge you. And he didn't crawl his fat butt in that in that weird crawl space. No. So he didn't care. No, not don't. to say he was a bad guy. But what did we pay him for? Because my partner paid him like six, seven hundred dollars because it was a huge house. Yeah, it's a big house. He didn't yeah. catch the mold though. Had he caught it, it would have been a different story. We we could have remediated it and dealt with it and then got the certificates and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you could have got it out of there. Why would, could you have done that in order to get it sold? We so, could I mean, what was it gonna take? What was the cost? You know, if you're gonna lose fifty thousand, you know, you do a remediation, the lawyer stays on on the hook yeah. for I, I brought the guy in. He wanted about sixty thousand to remediate it. The attorney Jeez. said, "Yeah." The attorney said he wouldn't accept it. He was moving forward with a, a suit against us. Yeah, he was looking to sue anyway. My partner in the deal was very green in real estate, very new, and that's okay. But he completely freaked out and wouldn't answer my calls or anything. Oh, he froze. Well, I wanted to fight. I was ready to fight <laughs> because she lied on the seller's disclosures. Yeah. So I don't care if it took ten years for us to to collect from her. I was going to go after her. Because when that house went into foreclosure, we should have we we still would have had the the first right to purchase it because we had a you know we had a land contract yeah. Yeah. Uh, memorandum on it, and uh, if we would have gotten in front of a judge, the, here's what the attorney said: with us as real estate investing guys, girls, or whatever, we're, we're looked at as kind of almost in, in like a commercial sense. Even if we're buying residential, we're looked at as a business. You get in front of a judge, and the judge is going to tell you that this poor lady who's an alcoholic or drug addict and who's lost everything and she's done this, that, and the other, she's got to give you even more money because she lied to you. She's got nothing to give you. Yeah. So they're like, you're not going to squeeze anything out of this lady. No. And then what they actually found out somehow was she bought the house in her self-directed IRA, and then they caught her living there. Oh. So guess what the IRS did? Took a, they probably cashed out her IRA. Somebody's got to explain. So she had to pay to tax on that, uh-huh. and then she was behind on taxes. She had nothing. And, yeah, she had nothing to pay anybody anywhere. So she, she's got. She was in debt even to the government. Right. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we were going to try to squeeze blood out of a rock or turn up, and what's yeah. the point? You know, yeah. um, all all the attorneys that that we all know, they just said take your licks and run and go make more money because by the time this is done <clears> and you ever get paid, it's going to cost more money for me <laughs> for me yeah, to yeah, represent yeah. you than it is just go yeah. flip some more houses. Yeah. yeah. Just move yeah. on. Right. Sometimes you got to take that beating and, and just move on. There's nothing yeah. you can do. No. I mean, you know. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Right. Very this is good an 8,000 square foot house in Bloomfield Hills. Yeah. Stay in your lane. I yeah. wasn't in my lane. No, because when you look at that, a lot of people I don't think understand that that is a whole different demographic of people. It's a whole different decorating style. You got to understand the style you have to put in there, what they're looking for. And a lot of people that do normal flips, they don't get that because you go down and get a standard little, you know, three to five thousand dollars stainless steel package. That's not even buying the fridge you got to put in a house like that. No, you got twenty five thousand um, dollar yeah, packages. Package of appliances yeah. in that. And, and that's people light. don't get that. Right. Yeah, right. they just don't understand it. It's like, oh, yeah. Horrible, so, horrible. So can you explain that uh, self-directed IRA that you were talking about, how she got into it? What does that mean exactly? So a self-directed IRA simply means that you can take pre-taxed or post-tax funds. It depends if it's a Roth or a traditional. Right. And then you can invest in real estate as long as you have a custodian that watches over that money for you. So what she did, this was this was pre-tax. So it was a traditional, say it was a, a 401k plan. She moved it to a traditional IRA. Right. She purchased the property in the name of that IRA. So say it's Dylan Tanaka IRA. 
and you cannot occupy that house. You can't live in there. You can't, can't do any of the work. Can't benefit. Okay, from so the you funds. can strictly use it as an investment only. Yes, that's only right. Only as a hundred percent as an investment. You can't even carry paint into the house. You're breaking right. IRS code. Okay, so that's only for you. She bought it for four hundred. She resold it for eight hundred. She spent two hundred on the rehab. That other two hundred extra goes into her IRA. IRA. She cannot. In her normal life, benefit from it until she pays income tax on it, right. or until she hits a certain age if it's a Roth. Right. Okay, yeah, that's a whole nother yeah. podcast, but we can break down. Yeah, you know, yeah, I heard, I heard about it, but I just needed to break down. Yeah. But once yeah. you do that, then they come after you. They want to tax you and, and right. close out your four. And if you're if you're, you're caught, done. even if you invested a small percentage of your IRA, they'll call the whole the thing, whole thing do yeah. the whole thing, and then you'll pay tax. If you know, uh, just as an example, you use a hundred thousand of it. And to buy and rehab this place, but you've got five hundred thousand. You'll pay tax on all five hundred thousand. And They'll a just penalty. Say, hey, here, you know, here's your here's your money. You can have yeah. all your money, but you're going to pay tax on all. You're going to pay, you know, thirty two percent income tax and a ten percent penalty. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Salty. Okay. That's a beautiful life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Paul, let's move to you. What have you messed up on? What have I messed up on? So. Um, I actually just bought my mess up. Uh, I closed on it yesterday, last night. So <clears throat> um, I've got a partner that I'm working with, uh, and we just bought a property in Indianapolis um, that the numbers were really tight. So I think it started out that you know we were going to cash flow just over $200, and the ROI was going to be like 15%. And it was like really tight. It just felt tight. And um, but I went under contract because it's in a really great area, and um, the appraisal, it, I thought it was going to appraise at 140 I appraised at 170 Oh, wow. That's and I'm good. buying it for 73 So, okay. you know, it's a great, but it's it's not going to cash flow. And one of the things I missed in my own due diligence before I went under contract was um, it's in a floodplain, oh. like a FEMA high-risk floodplain area. Oh. And so when I added... Uh, flood insurance into the deal. It doubled the amount of insurance required, yeah. and it uh, the cash flow basically disappeared. Um, and so even now, you know, with what what I think is market rent, when I look at the deal, it's um, it's probably going to be like a negative twenty dollar cash flow. So negative twenty dollars um, over mm-hmm. over just a simple. Oversight, just yeah, something just, you didn't. A lot of people don't right. think about flood insurance when you think. You yeah, know, they don't when you even look at it. Yeah, when you look at a property, that's one of the things on due diligence that you got to do. Um, is and it's not. I don't think it's that difficult. Um, you just maybe some experience there. That when you look at it on a map, right? How close is it to a river or a body of water? Or, or you know, this yeah. place is actually um, it's wedged in between the white river and an, an old uh, canal in Indianapolis. Oh. So like, it's almost, I wouldn't say an island, but it's a strip of land in between these two, you know, moving bodies of water. And so it's, it's in a, you know, floodplain. Yeah, so, it's a floodplain. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when, when you went and bought this, now a lot of people, uh, Paul beats here, he does a lot of his investing out of state. So, his stuff is long distance. He spends a lot of time down there on him and knows the area because he's there from there. But he does a lot of long distance. So on something like this, Paul, now, you've obviously, you've took a beating on the cash flow aspects. Yeah. 
So what is your game plan, your exit strategy? How are you going to get out of this? What are you doing? Well, my partner and I, before we went under contract and then I realized it, right? So I was very straight with my partner. I said, look, you know, we've got a non-refundable earnest money down 2500 And I said, we could walk away, right? Take the take the $2,500 hit. It's not Dylan's 50000 but it's 2500 hit and just walk away. Yeah. And uh, and my partner's like, well, you know, tell me more about this. So we, we talked quite a bit about it when the appraisal came in and it appraised a lot more than we expected. And so, like I said, we're buying it for 73. It appraised for 170. So we're, you know, the gap there is about 100,000. So if we put 30 or 40 in it, we might be able to flip it for 10 or 15 a piece. Right. OK. okay. Um, and it's in an area where, you know, I think, uh, you know, um, we could sell it fairly easily. Um, so we're expect, exploring one uh, one exit strategy in, in flipping it, um, and that's going to affect the rehab, right? we got to make sure that it's going to be a flip rehab rather than a rental rehab. Right. Um, yeah. So actually sure. next weekend I'm driving down there, and we're I've got a real estate agent. We're actually going to go look at some houses that are for sale in okay. that area, and we're going to walk through them and look at what kind of furnishings they have at the price points that they're at. Now, was this do, a duplex or a single? This is a single. This one's a this single. Is a single. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but another thing is I, I did some research last night and there's several Airbnbs in that area right there close to campus, uh, Butler University. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we could get fifteen to $1,700 a month using, you know, Airbnb in it. Um, that's, so That's awful good too now. That's yeah. So that, I mean... It'll be an infinite return on investment, and if we can get a higher amount of rent, then we can get the cash flow back up and maybe hold it for a, for you know an Airbnb. And then I also was researching the possibility because it's that close to a, a school campus that we might be able to rent per room. Yeah, um, that that's a great way to um, really exploit, I guess you'd say, the uh, where you can get higher rent returns and all that right. on your money. Yeah. Yeah, so you do five hundred a room, fifteen hundred. If I was negative two hundred in cash flow, then I'm back up there into my my sweet spot where I like to be over two hundred cash flow per month. Yeah, um, and so I'm still infinite return on investment because you know we're in it for so much less than what what it appraise at, um, and so you know a free hundred or two hundred dollars of cash flow per month. You know you can't beat that. So well, the the one good thing that you're saying though is. Um, I don't know, Young Paul. We'll call him Young Paul. Yeah, we'll call him Young Paul. Young Paul here is some of the things that I caught out of that is even though it went south, right. you know, the deal went south and you looked at it, what did he do? He started going at it and look, okay, how can I turn this around? You know, the object's not to lose money, but you're going right. to lose money in this business sometime. Let's be yeah. realistic. Right. But he's trying to find out what do I do? to not lose money. How can I turn this around? What other exit right. strategies could I get? So my partner and I, because you got to protect your partner when you bring yeah, in a partner yeah. like that, yeah. you got to protect them at all costs. Even right. if you got to lose money, you got to protect them because you brought them in. They're looking to How me do do for it? the expertise. Yes. Right. right? The, the, the reason why, you know, this is uh, the, the chiropractor uh, that I'm working with. Um, you know, he's looking to me as the expert. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so, he, you know, he's expecting me to not miss these kinds of things. Um, but you also have to be straight with him, be, be upfront with him. Um, so, you know, it's uh, uh, it was a mistake that I missed. But, you know, uh, I think, you know, 
I th- we're going to be able to turn it around turn and around, yeah. and possibly now you know if the if the appraisal would have come back low, oh boy, oh man, you know then I you know I would have strongly recommended that we just walk, take the twenty five hundred dollar hit and walk and move on, yeah, 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 and and yeah. sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you just gotta run the other way. It's like okay, yeah. it's not worth the the bigger loss down the road. Yeah, right. it's tough to do. So. One thing that I am interested in is that um, student student home, student housing. That's yeah. what you would call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because honestly, I feel like one thing Michigan isn't really seen as is like it's a big, it's a lot of colleges around yeah. here. Yeah. Really. So I'm really looking in Southfield, Royal Oak for those student housing because yep. I've just been here because, of course, I'm young. I know I have young patrons who are also looking mm-hmm. for um, housing, you know, but they're not looking for the the traditional, you know, campus housing where it's. 10,000, right, right. 10,000 just for the semester, just for the year yeah. when they can pay 400 and stay with, you know, three other guys. Exactly. In the yeah. home. So, yeah. and I feel like that's one route that I'm actually looking towards, you know, that um, a bunch of people going in. That's why I'm so interested in duplexes, triplex, because, you know, when there's other people in the situation, it makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah. So that student housing, I really love that idea. Mm-hmm. So. Well, think about the area around Oakland uh, University. Right. So, People who can afford to send their kids to Oakland University might have a little bit of money, right? Yeah. They don't always want their almost teenage kids, just past teenage, living yeah. in their house anymore. Yeah. And there's some areas around the university. It doesn't have to be inside Rochester itself, but there's some, yeah. some, some areas, areas close enough that are, say it's got to be 20 minute or less drive at least. Yeah, and right. you'd want it as close as possible, of course. But you got Auburn Hills right there. You got good parts of Pontiac. Yeah. You got some spots right there. Right. And and you can make that work because there's not a lot of student housing at Oakland University. Yeah. No. Whereas, you know, you want to talk about like the, the community colleges. It's you're less, a lot less apt to get people to live right next to a community college yeah. versus a university yeah, because right. most folks are going to go somewhat close to home anyways. Yeah. But I, I think student housing... If you find the right area, you have to. It's all math. You got to find the right density, right. and that's it. And you don't have to do it here. You don't no, have to do can, it where you. You can do you it live. all over. Right? That's, that's right. another yeah. one. That's, that's like apartments or anything else. You can do that long distance. It's really versatile. Anything you want. Yeah, you yeah. can really make yeah. it happen. Michigan State. Uh, there's nice areas um, close to Michigan State. I've got friends that their parents went and bought a, a property off market, and uh, they rented it out to their son and some some uh yeah. his friends yeah. yeah and they made money off of the deal while their own son lived there yeah i know someone at um ann arbor michigan yeah who's doing that hold he, on that's a deal alert is that the deal, deal alert? You guys, <laughs> somebody's getting a deal right yeah. now yeah. It's, it's none of us we're on here doing a podcast that, well, it that, might be that one there's a tornado coming through and there's going to be a deal storm chasers baby yeah. No. yeah it's all about it yeah, see, there is a lot of money to be made in the student housing. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah when you, you talk to some of them guys, I mean, there used to be a TV show years ago. The guy was pretty good, young guy. And uh, actually, that's You're talking about Gunsmoke? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gunsmoke. <laughs> I'm about that age, but I'm not going to bring that up. But actually, that's where he made his first foray into real estate, and he made all of his money was off student housing. Yeah, yeah. And then it turn into flipping, buying tons mm. of rentals. Let me and, say one know. more thing about that, too. Here's the great part about student housing. You can buy houses that are underwater and over leveraged yeah, because yeah, now yeah. you can just like Airbnb. Now you can rent them out for a lot more. more. Yeah. So you can buy lists of people who who are who have, have a certain uh, loan to value and debt to income and all other kinds of things. Now, it's not a guarantee, but you can buy right. those marketing lists. Yep. Yeah. You can go after houses that 
seem to be underwater but are in the perfect neighborhood or may have accidentally been built with five bedrooms. Yeah. Right. There's new construction homes where, you know, like where Paul lives, there's new construction homes in Macomb Township and Shelby that have five bedrooms. And it's weird because it's like one too many. Yeah. But they still offer those plans. Yeah. You might find a five bedroom house out there that's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I'm not talking about putting kids in basements. You have to be really careful when you're going to do student housing. Right. But you can buy something subject to, which is creative financing, and you got to know what you're doing when you're doing it. But there's some there's some ways to pick up student housing out there that other people, other investors not can't buy. Yeah, a lot it. of crazy yeah, ways. Because it's camouflaged. Yeah. 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 I love student housing. Yeah. They're actually, if you, you look into it, you know, just to take that to another step, and, and a lot of guys do this in certain areas. I've even run into houses in Detroit where they're actually renting rooms. Right. Yeah, I have yeah. to. And, and you can rent rooms and, you, you know, they're they're charging them, you know, let's say the rent's $700 a month for the whole house. But they're charging these people $300 for a room. And you get three to four rooms, you right. end up by making more rent. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of creative stuff out there. And I think, I think some of it is, some of it might be trying to get out of situations like Paul was in trying to, trying to figure out a deal that went South or, you know, I'm over leveraged like Dylan was just saying, right. You take some of that. Then there's sometimes people are just getting greedy, but you know, there's a whole bunch of different stuff out there. You just got to look at it all, you know, and you know, once once you get at it, I feel like me personally, because I know so many ingoing college students and so many who are like the two, not the tuition, but the housing, the boarding is just so much like what's a cheaper way that I can do it. Yeah. And they come to me thinking that I know something It's like, I don't know. But then as I'm really learning more, getting yeah. into real estate, seeing that, you know, student housing is really a thing where you can charge yeah. 400 a month instead of 10,000 a semester. Yeah. You know, it's just a whole yeah. different thing. You know, the only difference is, you know, maybe they're paying for groceries and stuff like that. But if you're in a house full of people, even if you do have your own stuff, it's just like, yeah. it's, it's just so many deal opportunities. For, right. for them and it's a good deal for you. Yeah, right. And for the for parents, everybody. you know, yeah. get the yeah. loans down. Just everything is so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got to leverage your network. Right. Even yeah. even you at 18, this is not a joke. You have your yeah. own network. Yeah. 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 And this is what I talked about being a real estate agent or broker at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, when If somebody wants to use you, you know, mm-hmm. use your services, don't say no to them at 18. Yeah. You money. know people who are going to move three, four, maybe five times in their life. Right. That's yeah. two transactions every single time. Right. And it doesn't mean that you are got to be the one there sticking a sign in the ground. But don't give that away if it's somebody that trusts you, that you can yeah. do business with, that you're comfortable with. Because yeah, like right. I said, I, I've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars in commissions because that wasn't the business model. Right. But it's not that hard of a business model to incorporate no. in what it, you're already it's, doing. It's another avenue. And it's just it's more networking and more connections. Right. Think about it. They might, if you do them right and you sell their house or you list their house, you do whatever, they'll refer you to their family right. or their friends. Yeah, that's one And thing. then it's more money coming in. I mean, personally, myself, I don't want to be, I'm, I'm a licensed agent, but I don't want to be a real estate agent. Right. But you can do this on the side, like he's saying, because it's not that much work and you can go on ahead yeah, and you can take it and you can make some money Just at it. So much, so and have a little bit, you know, a little bit going and you can build a rapport with people. Yeah, yeah and listen, people. the two dumbest guys at the table are the ones who have their licenses. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff and I. Yeah. The two smartest guys don't. Yeah. Yeah. So you see how easy it is to be yeah. a real estate agent? <laughs> the bar is low. Well, let's put it to you that way. It's real low. I only had to take the test once. It was super low. You got in there quick. <laughs> it is easy. But no, I, I think that everybody should be an agent just to have the access. Right. You know, you and I have talked a lot. Paul and I were texting last night about some right. stuff. Yeah. You never know, you know, what the heck's going on. 
about mm -hmm. that. It's just it makes sense to have access. Yeah. Well, and not to be a you know nerd, but in the state of Michigan, if you're going to do more than five transactions, there's always yeah. ways around things. But you really need to have a license, yeah. and it protects you. You know, I've been licensed since '09, even though I've been buying since '03, and I use it as as uh, an advantage when I speak with people. I love buying houses from out of state sellers. Because the difference between, I hope, the difference between me and some of the other newer people in this business is they're nervous, they don't have some of the experience, they don't have the connections. But when I speak to an out-of-state seller, I tell them, hey, listen, I'm going to buy your house cash. But just so you know, I have my broker's license. You can look me up in the state. I have an office. Mm -hmm. I try to seem a little bit more professional to them because if they compare me to someone else, which if they're out-of-state, what do they have to look at? Just what right. you've told them, what they yeah. can kind of Google about you? And then they see that and they're like, okay, so if, you know, if, if young Paul is a real estate agent and he, and he does something wrong on a contract, he's held to a higher standard than other people. Right. So you always yeah. use that to your advantage. And to have the weapon of the MLS behind you for buying huge. and selling is absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah. huge. It'll take you, realistically, it could take you to a next level and you don't even realize it. Yeah. A lot of people are like, ah, oh, you don't need it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I argue with guys out of state and there's different rules in every state and I barely know the rules in Michigan, but in Michigan, there's no reason not to have a license. That's the way that I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Some other states are a lot more strict on them sure, and stuff like sure. that. And you hear, and there's actually even states that wholesale is against the law. So yeah. you better have your license. You can do different stuff. Right. Michigan, we can wholesale all you want. I mean, it's totally legal here to sell a sign a contract. Yeah. But you know, there's other states where you literally can't, mm -hmm. you know, luckily here. And when any other people listening out of state, check your check your local laws yeah. and all that, and yep. then you'll find out what what you can do or can't do. So honestly, one thing I see, I see wholesaling getting regulated at some point in Michigan. Honestly, maybe I, define I, wholesaling. Well, you're talking about contract assignment. Yeah, you're talking about buying and reselling. Yeah, now, buying yeah, I mean, and reselling I was, I was already is regulated. Do, do you yeah. see? What, yeah, but but why can't you? I mean, you want to get like advanced. You make an offer. On a property, you get it accepted in an LLC that doesn't own any other properties or done any other business. You can sell that LLC. You can right. sell the membership shares. They can't stop you. Yeah. So what they're what they're going to try to do is is break into two or three different types of law at the same time, and they're not going to tell you that you can't ever assign a contract because okay. I can get a, a contract. Paul's with GM. I can get a contract to deliver GM nine million bolts for a penny a piece. I mm -hmm. can assign that. I can bring it to someone who does factoring. There's a million different ways yeah. that those contracts work. They're never going to bust through that. Right. But what they're going to do is they're going to they're they're going to enforce that if you are, they're already enforcing this. If you are advertising to buy someone's house and there's absolutely no way you ever had a chance to, and you don't buy it and you break your contract with them, and all you are going to do is assign it, and they can prove that, which prove. is really hard to prove. But if you've hurt. 700 people in one year they're going to come after you for that whether you're licensed or not yeah. so that's where you have to be careful is when you're dealing with the general public if you do something wrong you're always looked at as the bad guy because we yeah. are in business we're not just regular people trying right. to buy a house and the judge is always going to at least lean their way than ours well they are i mean you you know more than them let's be honest but you should if you're right. going to go into this business you better know more than the average person yeah. but you got to watch that when it comes time so you don't get clipped, yep. you know, because they will. And and that's just part of the business. You know, before we move to Jeff, I'd like to get Paul Beats's um, opinion maybe is to, to anybody new, Paul, whether it's to, to this Paul or to somebody else, what advice would you give as, as a, a, you know, not new person, but someone who's only been in the business for three, four, five years now? Um, I know Paul's doing uh, a lot of the right things. Um, 
I before I got started, and I'm I've not been at it for very long. I educated, so the fact that you're here is, you know, you're educating. Uh, I binge listen to podcasts. I know that that's something you do, um, and that I um, I'm also reading a lot of books. So um, I think education is, is the most important thing about being in this business, and it's not a, a one and done thing. Like, well, six months of education, I'm done. It's a constant process of, of educating and, and probably the only other thing that I add in there and I know Dylan talked about it, is networking is you know uh, hanging out with uh, people that uh, understand the business that you can learn from um, that uh, that um, can give you advice and, and bounce things off you know I, I tap into this network all the time uh, right. last night I uh, sent a text message to Tio and Jeff uh, I met with uh, a young lady that was at Ria getting ready to buy a, a duplex off the land bank. And uh, I didn't have access to the MLS, but I knew people that did. And right. the reason why I knew people did is networking. Yeah. So, you know, education and networking, I think that's, uh, this is a people business and um, it's so important to have a, a deep network of, of contacts and resources that you can rely on. That's that's my opinion. That's the yeah. that's probably the best. But I know I, you're, you're I doing all those things, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you're on the right path. I would agree with that firsthand because I remember the um, McComb meeting was the very second meeting that I went to and I got to talk to you. Yeah. And then I met Dylan and I met Jeff that night too. Yep. And I remember, I think it was a couple of days after that and then a few weeks following up, we ended up on the phone, you know, because I was asking yep. you about rentals and we you ran me through some numbers and that mm-hmm. was really implement implanted in me is like okay the numbers are the key in real estate that right. you really need to know and understand absolutely and then just being around dylan being around jeff you know just learning yeah uh, so yeah, yeah i can say firsthand that that is true so yeah especially yeah. on the learning curve hearing well, it firsthand yeah let, let the other guys take the hit especially a young guy like you if yeah. that guy's took a hit before you don't need to take it if you're hanging around right. he'll right. tell you right don't do that you know, they'll, they'll be straight up with you. I mean, Dylan and I have talked before, and he's, you know, he's even told me, hey, no, man, no, 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 no. Don't don't go down that path. You're going to cry when you get done. You know? <laughs> yes. You'll be laying in a fetal position saying mommy and all that kind of stuff. Don't go there. It's like being in a boxing match or MMA match or, or playing chess. And, yeah. and if you can, you know, Paul comes from a completely different place than I do in this business, but he's got a very educated um, stance right now because he's, he's newer, but he spent a lot of time learning what this is all about because that's the way that his mind works mine's a little bit different yours is different so is jeff's but you know going back to to networking and the network the reason that we're here you know here at you know the network hashtag like the real network right is you met these guys at a ria event you met me at a a ria event and now be it six months later whatever now you know you've done some cold calling for me you've done some stuff with jeff you've talked with with paul on the phone right and you know what what's next and it's because we're all you know we're all givers and uh you know trying to trying to help everybody well and then that was part of really you know like dylan was saying that was part of why the network was really evolved and why it was came about is to get a place where people can network feel comfortable and just constantly help one another because you know what i don't care how many deals all of us sit here at the table do (laughs) We can't do them all. We don't have that much money. Right. You can line everybody up, and nobody's got. We that can't kind afford of money. to buy can't. one subdivision. The guys at this table with the money in our pockets or yeah. bank accounts. Yeah. Nope. So so why not share the loan? The lone wolf thing. You can do whatever you want. We're in America, and we're all yeah, lucky. Do whatever you want. Yeah. But guess what? It's a lot harder to to run solo than if you run in a pack. And you don't yes. have to have the pack mentality. But 
if you have a question, you can call me and vice right. versa. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've got an open, you know, open line of communication here. And, between and that's how, and that's what works with the, the, the networking with people right. is the communication. It's absolutely, it's been tremendous and been totally game changer for me. I've learned, yeah, the lone wolf standard, like Dylan was talking about. All right. You can do that. I've did it. I prefer to partner up and work with other people. Yeah. I understand my strengths, my weaknesses. Right. Find what yours are. Get that other person that highlights, compliments, and helps. Even if you two think the same, if you understand, okay, that's your role, this is my role, stay in your lane, how we talk, yeah. stay in your lane. You do your role, I do my role, you can do business together. Right. And, it, and that's all part of the networking. And, yeah. you know, and I've met a lot of great people through it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. I love meeting yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, you know. There's no sense of being out on a date on Friday night at your age. No, go to a real estate. Hang out with a bunch of real estate guys. Yeah, hang out with a bunch of real estate guys. I could, I could be out hanging out with a bunch of young guys and stuff, and I'm out hanging out with you guys. No, but yeah. old, you know what they say, you know, live like nobody else so that eventually you can live like nobody else. Uh, Absolutely. It's, True. You mentioned you got rid of all your video game consoles. Man, I, I wish I would have done that a long time ago because it's it's – you know, I'm nothing against video game consoles, but it's just how you want to spend your time. Do you right. want to spend your time in education and and learning how you can uh, you know make money and and live on passive income, or do you want to you know uh, play online and and wait waste a, a lot of time? You got rid of your video game consoles. Come on, I know. Yeah, like, years old, man. About a year ago, I got rid of all of them. So basically, you have no friends no more. They all yeah, I don't have any friends. Yeah, they, you're they are. Ever since I stopped having, <laughs> ever since I stopped tapping on like the 2K courts and all of that stuff. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any friends anymore. He sold his, Paul? Paul who? We don't know no Paul. <laughs> he sold his video game consoles and he's going to buy a duplex. I doubled, I doubled up on books. And, there, you uh, there you go. Gas for going to real estate meetings. There you go. That's the way to do it right there. Hey, hey, Xbox coming handy for something, by Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. No, that's great, though. But no, it, uh, it, it's been a, a good thing for a lot of you guys. Right. And the network has helped a lot of us. Right. It's going to help a lot of us out in the future. Right. Yeah. That's a big thing with us. It's It'll all work. All right, Jeff. We get to hear about Jeff now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeff ain't no main boys. <laughs> 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 all right, listen. Yeah, cut, <laughs> our, cut our mics, zoom in on Jeff, and let's see what kind of problems he has. Get lost in his eyes. We, really, you know what? Very few problems. I'll be honest. I've taken a different approach in a lot, but the Biggest, biggest mistake I've made, and these guys know because some guys were sitting and waiting for me to get done so we could move forward with new projects, was doing the work yourself. Hmm. Don't, if you're going to get in this game, I understand you got to do some of the work. It's so hard to get people out there to do stuff. And I'm talking about rehab work and stuff like that. Do not try to work on your own stuff. Yep. Do not do that. I have probably lost thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars tied up doing rehabs when i should have been out doing deals weren't you just telling me that i could put down uh vinyl plank click together in a weekend yes you can Did and, you? and i see you, can, you, can <laughs> you just told me do, that didn't you? you can still do some work there's not wrong i know guys out there are still doing some work but they don't do the bulk of it i mean i did if it was done except for like the electrical and stuff like that i don't touch that but I did everything. Don't do that. It was stupid. I don't know how to say it's stupid. <laughs> I lost a lot of money doing that. And, mm -hmm. and that's the biggest mistake I've seen. It slowed me up to the point where it knocked me back a peg or two. But mm -hmm. now I'm back at it where I, where I should be. And, you know, it'll be all fine. You just keep going. 
you learn as you go. You know, made money. Everything was great. Still doing deals when I was doing them, but you're not doing the volume of deals. Okay. In real yeah. estate, a lot of times nowadays, because like you're talking about, the margins are tighter nowadays. Yeah. So you have to do more deals to get to your end goal where you're trying to get financially right. so you can do what you want to do. And if, you know, you got to do X amount of deals to get there or to get them so you can buy your rentals because, you know, that's going into the rental things. And, and that's been my biggest mistake. Other than that, I, I've had fun with this. I've had a great journey. You sold the house for full price, though. I, I sold the house within 24 maybe, hours maybe for even, full Maybe price. even five wow. grand more than full price. Yeah. So. That's Actually, great. it set the record in the, in in the, the neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah, it set the record wow. in the neighborhood. And it sold in 24 hours. It turned out great. It was, you know, well worth it. But if I did more deals, I could have made more money. Right. Yeah, let's right, be honest, right, you know. Yeah. I, I could have did more in my life and, and not, you know, killed my old body. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it's hard on you. And, and that'd be the thing, the advice I'd give to anybody. You might not do some of the work, especially when you're starting out. You got to do some. You, you need to know how you need to know how things work also in oh, this God, market. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the margins are tight. So it, it's okay if you're out there and you're painting ceilings one day. I yeah, mean, that don't hurt. For, for, for younger people and even just younger in the business. Yeah. You can't be totally hands off unless you unless you are a very very good project manager. Paul Beats, good project manager. Yeah, yeah. He went to school for that. He's got a master's degree yeah. for project management. <laughs> so to yeah. paint a ceiling, he can outsource that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you're just getting in and you're getting your hands dirty, and especially, um, you know, if you're going to be doing business right here in town, you're going to be at those projects all the time. So if a guy tells you that it's three thousand dollars to paint ceilings and you believe him. It's You're big trouble because yeah. they'll take you. Right. They'll Maybe it's $300. You. So yeah. you, you got to understand that because it, it will get you further. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to be doing all kinds of deals throughout right. your career. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And you'll know. And, and believe me, like you're saying, if you know what you're doing and that guy tries to sell you a bill of goods, right. are you going? Because I've hired and fired quite a few of them. You go and you're like, really? That's done? Because, you know, no, that's right. not the right way to do it. Take a hike. You got to go. Right. And you'll know that. But if you don't know it, okay, I guess that's how it goes. And, you know, you'll learn it all. You'll learn it all. Just, yep. you know, don't get bogged down. Right. Okay. Don't get bogged down. Nobody. And now that was about it for me. I mean, that's that's my biggest. Why don't we go around the table thing. and do uh, golden nuggets then before we uh, before we finish up? So we'll start with you. The young guy. So, so you're giving <laughs> advice to everybody out there, out there in real estate investment land. What's what's the one thing they should take away from this podcast? Hang out with Dylan Tanaka. No, don't <laughs> hang out with Dylan. No. <laughs> um, I mean, I've said it before. I always say it. I would just say is doing it, just really taking the time out of your day, putting deep work, some type of focus into it. You know, I really feel like this is real estate as a whole is a marathon. It's not just a sprint. You don't get to where you want to be really fast. And I've learned that. Well, I've. I kind of went into it with that mindset already, but you really learn it just, you know, consistently calling, consistently doing whatever you're doing, either whether you're online looking for deals, calling people, going to networking meetings. Either way, that takes time and you got to wait for it. So I would say having that patience, having to go in and really having the mindset of going through hard times and being able to go through that. So that's sure. one thing I'll say, go in with the mindset of being ready to, ready to wait. Yeah. 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 So. And that's coming from an 18-year-old. That's scary. Yeah, patience. <laughs> it's like, 
like people don't realize that people think that it's like because I'm 18, I'm coming in like really just for the money. It's just like I know I'm waiting, and it's like I've always got the plan in my head, but it's just you gotta wait to put it cer- certain things into motion. I guess yeah. wow. you know you just gotta wait on that. So of course I'm doing what I need to do, taking the mindset, doing staying consistent, just so I know what I'm doing consistently. Yeah. But yeah. You know, just waiting to strike with what I'm really intending to do. Yep. So, yeah. well, that's how you're going to succeed. You've got the yeah. right mindset. I mean, you know, mindset's a the big thing, and yeah. you've got it. So that will get you there. So you can, mm-hmm. like Paul was saying, you can live the life later that right. nobody else is going to. Yeah. yeah, that's why I hang out with older guys all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I was the youngest guy in the room all the time. When I went golfing, I was the, the 20 years younger than everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I lost all my friends by, for sure, by 30, by 25, 26, 27. Yeah. We just had different feel. And, and uh, you know, Nathan Ganane, who's a big part of our network. Yeah. And um, Nate's biggest fan. There you go. <laughs> he, he's got his own fan club. Yeah. But, you know, Nate talks about it all the time when, when he hangs out with his friends. Nate's only, you know, he's under 30. And uh, it's it's hard because we want to talk about one thing, whether it's real estate or building business or, yeah. you know, I, I don't care if it's our websites. It's always something related to business and yeah. building our businesses. Yeah. And to just talk about how the lions are doing or the tigers or whatever it is, it's hard sometimes to drag yourself back or you go to a family event and it's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who does real estate? <laughs> right. Who in here thinks right. like me? Yeah. Oops, right. nobody. No, yeah. Exactly. Because really, so. I hang around it so much now, I really go to, you know, family meetups, go with friends and it's like, who's ready to talk about real estate? Who? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you got to take that hat off and just be stupid yeah. and you know you gotta have, have fun. fun you're still yeah. gonna have fun yeah. in life you know you gotta have a balance but it's hard. that's where you're gonna find your private lenders spoken from a true professional right. about that yeah yep. lord all right no move over to me move. Move all right i'm gonna show you guys my promo skills so this is this is what i think to take away from this this podcast golden nugget is Getting a deep breath. Always be building your network. So the reason that we're here today, Michigan Real Estate Investor Network had hashtag the network, right? We're on a podcast, but there's three parts to to our group, right? There's a Facebook group that's private. A lot of people aren't on there yet. By the time you're watching this, you might be on there. There's the podcast. So it's for learning. It's for teaching. It's it's for growing the network. And then there's also in-person groups and events, right? Things that we do. And for me, I think you've got to be a part of all three. you know, to build your network properly, you're going to meet people online that you aren't going to meet in person because we might be selling houses to guys in California. We're not going to meet them in person. No. And we found them on just let's just use the Facebook group. Then we've got the podcast. Paul Jones showed up at, at a RIA event six months ago. Now he's sitting on a podcast with us, yep. Yep. you know, yep. so we're getting to know each other better. I know he's looking for duplexes, triplexes, quads, if he can yep. get seller financing. I will wholesale him a house. I guarantee it. Because I've wholesaled people houses in our network, and I'm going to do more of that, right? And then talking about the in-person meetings, there's a huge difference meeting someone on Facebook and being belly to belly with them, you know, and nose to nose and talking and meeting each other and learning and getting to know each other. And that's how Paul met all of us. That's how all of us met. None of us met online. Paul Beats is big on bigger pockets. I've been on there since 07, 08. I'm on there all the time. I never saw him on there. But as soon as he moved to, you know, moved back to Michigan and showed up at an event, bam, we became friends. Same thing with Jeff. Jeff's all over the Facebook groups. We never talked on Facebook groups. He starts showing up to meetings. I thought he was funny. 
you know, we, we'd stand next <laughs> to each other and, and, and make jokes. And uh, I'm like, who is this guy? Next thing you know, we're, we're doing business together. Yeah. yeah. So inside the network itself, that's that's what this thing exists for. You know, that's what it evolved from is, is just being together and doing business. But make sure that you're doing that in all three facets of your own business, whether you're on, uh, you know, a big part of this network or just in general, you got to be online. You, you, you got to be doing stuff like this, getting uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And you got to be in person meeting people and shaking hands. You got to. If you yeah. want to succeed, you nowadays, you need to do all of them. Yeah. Yep. You mm. need to do all of them. And you need to find a, a group of like-minded people, a community of like-minded, and, and that's how you'll succeed. Yeah. 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 Shaking hands, really, not to be weird, but I met, the first time I talked to Dylan, it was in the bathroom. <laughs> Whoa! This thing went sideways quick. This thing went sideways quick. It was at the rear meeting, you know. And he was just like, "Yeah, how are you feeling the meeting?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like it." Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did we shake hands? I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> the other golden nugget to take away is after you use the restroom, Always wash your hands. Your hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Soap and water. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, use some soap too, lazy, yeah. lazy people out there. Walk out with you the napkin on the hot in your water. Hand. You just turn on, turn on the warm water. <laughs> Get some soap up in there. Uh, all right, Mr. Well, how about you, buddy? Um, make sure you check if it needs flood insurance or not. I think that's my golden nugget. Diligence, <laughs> diligence. Do your due right? diligence. That was, you know, I bought what five five properties in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm going to close on three here in August. And um, before this one, I had never checked if it needed, if it was in a floodplain. I'd never even looked at that. Mm. So definitely that's my golden nugget for today is uh, when you're looking at deals, um, it's not that hard to go check to see if it's in a floodplain. No. It, so go do that um, <laughs> because uh, your insurance on the property will double. And if your numbers are tight, your cash flow will disappear. That, that's a killer. And, and, you know, think about it now. Knowing Paul, Paul's a numbers guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So usually when he looks at something, it is down to the penny. And, and it's not like you can't miss something. Here's a guy that is very diligent. Believe me, I've been to his properties in Indy with mm -hmm. him and I see what he's doing down there. And I'm excited for him and I've been excited when I'm down there. It's just a great place. And it happens. But now it's a nugget. He can pass on. Hopefully, you know, like we're talking about, right. now you won't lose your left leg. You might lose part of your right, but you might not lose your left because of what toes. he said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you never know. You know, it's all about that. You know, just giving people a little bit of help. Yep. And that's it. So, so now nice on my turn, the last, the last little nugget. Well, you know what? A lot of nuggets that people have been saying Bring us home. is what it's all really about. It's about the community. It's all about sharing. Don't have that greedy mindset. Have an abundance mindset, a sharing mindset, and you will succeed in this. If you don't, if you want to get greedy, yeah, you're going to make money. But you know what? You're not going to have a great life. Right. Have an abundance mindset. Have a sharing mindset. Have a, a helper's attitude. Have a very you know gracious attitude and be grateful to people and be humble. And you get around people and you're going to learn it. And I think that's what, you know, that that's the biggest draw that was for me, you know, about people like I'm sitting with now and about with the network, you know, the group that is formed and, and the big things coming out of it and what I've been able to do with it and, and the things coming. It's all because you're helping. You have the right attitude. If you go in with that mindset, 
you're, you're going to make an impact on other people's lives, which in return will make an impact on your life. And I, that's my biggest nugget is just go in with the right mindset and be humble and be helpful. What's the mantra of the network? You didn't even let it out. I'm not done yet. And share the love. You've been listening to the Michigan Real Estate Investor Network podcast. Let's call it the network. To subscribe to the show, go to www.michiganreinetwork.com where you can have the show sent right to your inbox. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to be on a future show, there's a link on the site to submit your info. The network is 100% focused on the Michigan real estate investing community. Whether you're brand new or a grizzled vet, we want you to be a part and share the love.